Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Mike Bauman, and you're listening to another edition of March 4th with Mike Bauman. Coming back in some crazy times right now with the coronavirus, more specifically COVID-19. Um, wow, you know, I'm really, really at a loss for words for even how to start this, uh, other than to say I just hope everybody is staying safe that you and your loved ones are healthy and safe. Um, You know, whether you believe in God or you don't, I just ask, you know, for those of you who do, that you send out your prayers to to everybody across the world as we we unite together to try to slow the spread of this thing. Certainly here in the United States, we're kind of in the the, the throes of it right now. my thoughts and prayers certainly go out to everybody who's been affected by this, um, to all the people who have lost their lives. Uh, and, and, if you're, and if you're not a believer, just, just that you keep everybody in, in, in your thoughts as well and just do your part, all of us, to do our part to, to do whatever we can to slow the spread of this thing. You know, just making smart choices in terms of social distancing and, you know, washing our hands. Um, yeah, man, it's crazy. I, I, I really, in my lifetime, the last time I remember things being this kind of strange were uh, was uh, was nine eleven. I was in eighth grade, and um, that's obviously a day that that all of us, you know, if you're if you're old enough, you know, you you remember where you were when you when you got the news. You remember how surreal it was. Like for me, I remember I was in eighth grade, like I said, uh, in junior high. And uh, we were actually supposed to go to Washington, D.C. I think at the end of September or like early October, our eighth grade D.C. trip, they at the school that I went to, they always did it in the fall. And I remember leaving class to go to the bathroom and walking by like the seventh grade classrooms. And it was really quiet. And I remember they had like the TV on in the seventh grade class and it looked like two like it almost looked like a factory, you know, when you just walk by something quick, it looked like like a like a like a power plant with like smokestacks, you know, like two smokestacks. And I thought, you know, oh, they're just watching something in science class. And then I walked by a couple of the other rooms and then it was on in like one of the sixth grade or fifth grade rooms, too. They were watching the same thing. I'm like, that's weird. And then by the time I got back to class, like, I had found out, like, oh, there's something going on. And I remember it was a Tuesday. September 11th was a Tuesday. So we – it's crazy how I remember this random stuff. I can't remember certain things people told me yesterday, but I can remember, (laughs) like, random details from – but obviously this is 9-11. But, I mean, I remember on Tuesdays in eighth grade, we had, like, library in – library – as the kids would say, we had library <laughs> and we had gym class. So we would go to library and then we would go to gym. And I remember we were watching it in the library and um, one of the buildings came down, went outside for gym class. And by the time we had gotten back from gym, both of the World Trade Centers uh, were down. And that's when it was just it was just crazy. And like I said, part of what, what made it really surreal about that day too was like it was a really nice day outside where, where I was living in Ohio at the time where I grew up. And it was actually a really sunny day in New York too. 
And so it was just, it just the whole thing was just surreal. But then it was like, you know, people thought like, is this going to be World War Three? Like, I remember there were a couple of parents that just, you know, by the afternoon, there were a couple of kids that their parents just pulled them out of school for the rest of the day. People didn't know what was going to happen. So um, all that being said, it, it, you know, that was super surreal. You know, as a 13 year old, I didn't turn 14 until like March of that year, but um our DC trip obviously got canceled and then rescheduled. We ended up going as a class in the springtime. Um, but yeah, just, just crazy times, man, really crazy times. Um, so fast forwarding to today, um, I'm recording this towards the end of March. Um, and, and a month ago when I recorded the interview with, with the guest you're going to hear on the show today, after I shot my big yapper, uh, shout out Chris Farley, miss you too, man. Um, I digress as I often do, but, uh, you know, a month ago, this was like on our radar in America, but it wasn't like to the level, obviously that it is now. And, uh, it's just crazy. I don't really know what else to say about it other than, like I said, uh, you know, I hope everybody stays safe. I know there are some people who don't have the ability to work from home. I'm fortunate that, that, that I do and our, and our company is allowing us to do that for, for my job, um, for right, for right now. Uh, but just stay safe, man. Just, just stay safe. If you can stay home, stay home. Um, you know, and I just, I just hope that we can slow the curve of this thing. So even though, excuse me, that's kind of a somber way to open things. I felt like, you know, I, I can't just like go by it without addressing it at all. You know, obviously, I want this to be a platform of positivity for people who check out this show. That's the whole theme behind March 4th, you know, is just moving forward. You know, keep on keeping on, you know, to quote the the great Joe Dirt. So, you know, I I hope this can be in a form of escapism for you wherever you're listening to this. Uh, You know, whether you're back in my hometown checking out this episode or somewhere across the states or... You know, if you find this overseas, which still blows my mind that people in other countries listen to this, but thank you to everybody who checks out the show and people who've stuck with me over the years through kind of the ebb and flow of my life. It's kind of crazy to think that the first episode of 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 this podcast back when I used to call it Bombers Breakdown, I recorded in like October of 2012 and it's kind of been on and off. But, um, you know, I think one of the things about times like this too is it does – make you take a step back if there's any positive that can come out of this it's it makes you take a step back in your own life and kind of look at the things that are important to you or the things that you worry about and I feel like in a lot of ways makes you refocus and put things more in perspective and we still have a lot of work to do um you know I I work in healthcare as my day job so like you know obviously this is hitting pretty close to home for for what for what I do and uh, for for the people uh, that I work with directly and the people that I don't work with directly across the country at, at the hospitals, man, let's just let's just all stick together. But it does make you on an individual level kind of refocus and think about the things that are really important to you and the things that you worry about, the things that, that you want to do. And so hopefully that's one positive that comes out of this is that we all kind of recenter and we, we think about what's really important and at the end of the day to me what's important to me is my family 
you know, my girlfriend, my, my close friends, the people I love and care about and, 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 you know, mental and physical well-being on an individual level too. So, you know, I hope that everybody stays safe. We're going to get through this and, uh, just stick together and, you know, um, you know, do your best to use this time just to, just to refocus. Um, that's the only advice I can give as a total non-medical professional is to just, use social distancing and uh but at the same time you know keep in touch with the people that you love and you care about man and be good to each other so all that said i don't know that there's really a way i can transition smoothly from all of that other than to say that i am really excited about this week's episode so i won't rant on too much longer but just to give you a little background on this episode so you know me doing this podcast um, the stories that I used to write back in the day, music and feature stories, the radio show that I used to be on back home in Toledo, Ohio, where I'm from, and the local broadcasting I used to do covering high school games and stuff. This guy that you're going to hear today on this show is the guy who really started all of that. He did start all of it. Uh, he was the first guy that I got in touch with after I graduated from college which was almost 10 years ago. It's crazy to think about. Literally almost 10 years ago um, to the month. Uh, it was probably the f- early fall of 2010 when I got in touch with, with this guy. And um, you'll hear the story, but he he was the one that, that just gave me a shot. First First point of contact I had to do broadcasting stuff outside of the traditional print journalism work that I had done in college to that point and kind of the focus I had as I graduated from college, he was the first guy that really uh, got my my mind going in a different direction. I did my first broadcast ever with him, and his name is none other than Mick Gonzalez. Um, He's a friend. He's a former colleague, a good dude. I love him. I've learned a lot from him. And I had a lot of fun talking to him, and he's got some stuff that he's battling right now as well. So, you know, it's kind of weird sometimes how the universe works and how timing works and how life works. But um, I hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I did. It was great to catch up with him. I got a chance to see him when I went home for Christmas this year and sat in on the radio show with those guys. And it's, and it's funny, there's certain people that you meet in your life where – you can go a little bit without talking to them. And then when you catch up with them, it's like you you just picked up right where you left off. Like it was yesterday that you talked to them. And Mick is one of those people. So without further ado, I'm going to shut my big yapper and give you guys my conversation with Mick Gonzalez. Here it is. <laughs> Your face or what? Uh, yeah, I just I slept in and then I exercised and I haven't combed my hair or anything. So yeah, <laughs> yeah I can understand that. Well, thanks for <laughs> for taking some time, man. I really appreciate it. Um, for for those people who don't know that listen to this, um, part of the reason I wanted to get Mick on here is because with 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 this podcast, um, I've really been thinking a lot about just perseverance and kind of you know, pushing forward in life. And, um, so I thought Mick would be, would be a great, a great guest today with, with, with some of the stuff that I'm, that I want to hit on with you, Mick. 
but also you know my background and kind of how I started to get into to this kind of stuff outside of writing Mick Mick was the first person that helped me get involved in that um back in like 2010 so it's literally been 10 years since we first almost 10 years since we first met because I was working at Toledo Hospital you were working at Toledo Hospital and I remember meeting you in the lunchroom at the hospital I had graduated from college and was really just kind of gung-ho on pursuing a, a sports writing path and not even really thinking about music stuff yet or anything and Tom Bedell who who also works at Toledo Hospital and was doing uh, radio for a high school back in Toledo, Rogers High School. You guys were just starting up this Toledo Sports Network stuff, and I and I think, if I remember right, how the story goes, and you can you can let me know if I'm correct, Mick, that you guys were actually interested in trying to get Tom to do some games with you, but he didn't really have any interest in being on TV, and he told you guys about me because he knew my dad from from working at the hospital for for so many years. So I met with Mick at lunch one day uh, at the hospital in the cafeteria, and Mick was super nice. He was super cool, and and was like, "Hey, you know, if it, you know, I I hear from Tom that you know you went to school for this stuff, and you were writing for you know the Collegian at the University of Toledo, and you know obviously this is more you know camera stuff and broadcast. And do you have any interest in it?" And and at first I balked because I was like super nervous about being on TV and about being uh, in front of a camera, even if only briefly, like when we would do stand-ups and, and like a close, you know, it just made me super nervous. So at first I was kind of like, ah, and Mick, and Mick didn't shut it down. He's like, okay, well just, you know, let me know if anything changes. And so I got a couple weeks into the high school football season and was writing and, um, you know, get it was good experience, but it was also like, you know, really, really nerve wracking too, you know, trying to make deadline and, you know, um, rushing on the field at the end, you know, and, and when, when I was in college at Toledo, you kind of get spoiled because you get people that give you stats every single quarter. And when you're just like a high school beat reporter, you're doing the stats, you're doing the story, you're trying to get quotes at the end on the field and there's no media room or anything like that. And so, um, I was doing that and it was, it was good experience, but it was also like, I, I, I felt like, okay, I, you know, this isn't, this isn't like, What's the word? Because I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, those guys who gave me that opportunity too. But um, but it wasn't 100% satisfying, I'll say that. So I was like, you know what, maybe maybe let me see what this broadcasting thing is about. And then I got back in touch with Mick and, and Mike Jameson. And then within like a week or two, I was with you guys um, – doing like a sports talk kind of like high school football recap show uh at some restaurant that was the first time i met mike and then mick and i my first high school football game was was with mick and that was almost 10 years ago so saying all that that's a big reason why i wanted to get you on the show mick because you know really all this podcasting stuff that i've done and even the music stuff which we'll get into and and tv and radio you were the first guy i met getting to do all that stuff man well it just means you're easily corruptible (laughs) (laughs) isn't that crazy though that that uh, was uh 10 years ago man it's we were we were we were kids back then we were kids but uh seriously though uh i mean we 
you and I, yeah, it, it just seems like it seems like it was just a blink. And all of a sudden you got a decade under your belt. And not not only just the fact that, you know, we've aged a little bit, but the maturation process from where you were to where you've gotten now is highly noticeable and is impressive. Uh, and I'm not saying that to blow smoke. I'll say it behind your back. Uh, I just the, the talent you displayed, you had raw natural ability and talent. That was the thing. Nobody, you know, I, I could I saw it right off the get go. I mean, you when I looked at I talked to Jamo about it afterwards, you know, after I first met you. And I just said, this guy's not going to be that long with us because he's going to move on. And I just I'm glad we can be his his uh, springboard. That was the conversation I had with with Mike. And he just looked at me and he goes, you're, you're probably right. You know, he goes, you're right. And so sure enough, you know, I mean, our paths have gone in all kinds of crazy uh, things. And we'll get into that. But uh, just the idea that you have been able to take this and now make it your own. That's that's what I'm most impressed with. Is you know yeah we all can do say yeah hey we're doing this stuff we're doing this we're doing that, but as a group but when you're able to take something and make it your own and and, and carve out your own little niche, uh, that's always something special because that's something that you can always treasure and go back to. Well, I appreciate the kind words, man. Um, it you know it's it's funny that you get older and it's like, you know when I was when I was 22 because then then to to give people a little bit more background so after. We did, um, and that's still probably one of my favorite moments in, in when I was doing high school games and doing doing broadcasting was uh, was with Mick in that first game because I remember we did we did that like football recap show, and I even remember talking to you and Mike, and I was like, I didn't do any of these games, you know, and you're like, yeah, but just sit in and you you know you know sports, we'll just look at some highlights or whatever, and just kind of say what you got to say, and we'll see, you know. And um, I can't, I'm trying to think of what that restaurant was out there in Levis Commons. Was it was it Blue Pacific Grill? Is that what it yes. was? Yes, that was it. You nailed it. And we were part of the I missed it news team. Yep. <laughs> so we did that, and then I remember afterwards Mike being like okay we got a game coming up and it was uh it was Anthony Wayne at Otsego um and for people who listen to this in other parts of the country or or world that that don't know where that is in in relation to where we're talking about so Toledo Sports Network is in Toledo Ohio obviously uh it's on the border of Ohio and Michigan and you know like like any kind of mid-sized city or major city there's a lot of suburbs and so we would do a lot of outlying area games in Otsego. It, it was cool because it's one of those places, it's in Tontogany, Ohio, where it's kind of out in the country, smaller town. So the atmosphere at games like that are really cool, you know. And so I went out there. And again, this is the first time I've ever been on, on camera, ever did any type of broadcasting outside of that Blue Pacific Grill football show. And Mick was doing play-by-play and I was doing color. And, you know, it's that first, I took notes, I, I was ready to go, you know, um, as you can tell, I'm, I'm not one that uh, is, is shy to, to speak. So, but all that said, when you have a camera on you, it's kind of a different world. So I was just like, okay, I just don't want to get tongue tied. I'll have a couple of stats and we'll go from there. And it was early in the season too. So I think this is probably only two or three games into the football season. So we get up to the booth 
the first half is going along. It's kind of a little back and forth. Yep. I think there had only been one or two touchdowns scored. And then I remember we were coming in at the end of the second quarter, getting towards halftime, and Otsego had the football, and they had two, two tw- I think they were twin brothers, uh, and I believe their name was Freeman, if, if my memory serves me right. And one of them was like a, a, a good like kind of running back and a, and a good guy in space that you could do like screen passes and stuff with out of the backfield. And I remember Mick looking at me and going, all right, Balmer. Uh, what 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 would you do here? You know what what do you think they can do? Because there was like I think there was like seven or eight seconds left in there at midfield, and uh, I can't remember what the score was, but I was like, you know what I I you know I think I'd probably try to take a shot here, get the ball in Freemantle's hands, and see what he could do. I mean, at this level and and at any level, if you're at midfield, I mean you're not in field goal range, so you know. And I think Anthony Wayne was up by like a touchdown, so then they get out there. And sure enough, they do like a like a swing pass to Fremantle, and all of a sudden he went like five yards and ten, then fifteen, and then it was like, oh crap, he might take it to the house, and he did. And Mick just started going like nuts, like just just I still remember the look in Mick's face, you know, because on one end I'm like, if I were a coach, this is what I would do because this kid is is a playmaker, but on the other end you're like, what are the chances of me? calling that that would would happen and um all the nerves that i had at that moment kind of went away you know because every now and again it's like tom petty even the losers get lucky sometimes like i was like i don't know if i belong up here in this booth with mick mixed on all these games all these years but this is what i would do and then it happened and mick mick just kind of looked at me <laughs> and i remember you were going nuts and mike was downstairs in the truck filming it and everything and it was like what I said I would do, it ended up happening, and they scored a touchdown. That's still one of my favorite moments, not because I, just because I called it, but just seeing that excitement with you, Mick, as the play-by-play guy. It's like that's what it's all about when you're doing color, too, you know? Well, I tell you, the thing is is that when that happened, you know, of course, we were all kind of like, okay, well, let's see what this what, what this guy's got. But after that happened, right in, I mean, right when that happened, I was like, Okay, he's got it. I, I was like, you know what? I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> so I was just, I knew it was going to be just fine. And, and I, I mean, granted, that was. It was, uh, it was difficult sometimes to always get. Uh, someone to do color, you know, whether it was Steve Taylor uh, back in the day. And, of course, he went on to do play-by-play, and so did you, as a matter of fact. And it, it's just funny because all all these years later, you realize it, it, you never you never really are used to having two play-by-play guys in a booth. You're used to having someone who knows his stuff when it comes to uh, doing uh, color. And i tell you what. I've worked with some really great color guys, really great ones. You take a back seat to none of them, okay? So just so that folks know. But you also got your chops in there as well as a play-by-play guy. And you worked your butt off to get to that point, too. And that made life a whole lot uh, easier for uh, uh, JMO and, and for me when my schedule wouldn't allow me to do games or things like that. It was because back then I was still double dipping, uh, well, not double dipping, but doing double duty uh, as the play-by-play for Toledo Cherokee Hockey. 
So that made it a whole lot different, you know. So it made it a lot more difficult. So, but uh, you made things easier by being able to do all that stuff, being as versatile as you were and still are. So, well, I appreciate it, man. Well, for for the people, um, let's give them a little bit on your background too, and kind of how how you got into all this, Mick, in, in terms of uh, the broadcasting and. Uh, you mentioned to Toledo Cherokee, and we'll get into that because something something really cool with with them happened with you uh, recently, which I want to touch on. But just just to give people a background on on who you are and and how you got into all this stuff. Oh my! Well, it all honestly, truth be told, it started back when I was about six years, five or six years old, and there used to be a commercial that played for Scope mouthwash. And the tagline at the end was, scope, once in the morning does it. And I stood in my, I had a real tiny bathroom in my house. And when I was five years old, I stood on the toilet seat, leaned over to look in the mirror and hold it up there. And I held a bottle of scope and I was doing scope, once in the morning does it. And I slipped and I broke my arm on the sink below the mirror. Oh, man. Yeah. And that... It, you know, I got in a cast and everything, so I spent a lot of time watching TV. And, of course, back then, I'm an, I'm an old guy, so much older than you are. And uh, back then, we didn't have cable, and so we could only get over-the-air television. So my introduction to TV was watching the local, uh, the local affiliates, but we had a giant antenna on our house. So we were able to pull in a, a couple of stations out of Detroit and a station out of Windsor, Ontario. So by doing that, we were able to, I grew up watching sports. I grew up, Channel 50 out of Detroit used to carry the Red Wings and the Tigers, and Channel 20 would carry the Pistons, and uh, sometimes the uh, Red Wings as well. And then Channel 9 out of Windsor, uh, CBET, would carry uh, Hockey Night in Canada. So I grew up watching, and Danny Gallivan, who was the TV play-by-play voice, who did a lot of the Montreal Canadiens games. He and Bob Cole were my heroes. You know, Bruce Martin was my hero on radio for the Red Wings. But those guys, I'd listen, I'd watch and listen to those guys religiously. And that was my introduction to sports. So it, it gave me the bug. It planted the seed. And that's what I always wanted to do. But I always thought you had to be on radio to do it. You know, you had to have a, a great uh, set of pipes and... You had to talk in a certain cadence that was perfect. And like the, all the guys that I listened to on Top 40 Radio back then, that always did. And they didn't, I mean, now, my gosh, everybody can, you know, uh, you've got, you know, over 500 TV stations and just a bazillion ways to, you know, absorb content. Right. But we didn't have that back then. So for me, I thought I was never going to be good enough. So I just, most, so as I got older, I decided uh, I had my midlife crisis. Most guys, when they have midlife crisis, that usually involves them wanting to get younger and, and date a young girl or something. Take out a Not huge me. loan and get a Corvette. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, that wasn't me. I, I wanted to. I wanted to be. I wanted to be behind a microphone. You know. So I went to school for it, finished up, and when I did that, that's when uh, we. De- it was like the internet was not even in its infancy yet i started doing uh, some stuff i met jamo because i was getting up for work at my day job on a week it was on a saturday morning at like six in the morning and he was doing the show by himself 
because the guy that he was working with at the time didn't show up and hadn't shown up for the last few weekends. So he's like, anyone want to do, you know, do this with me? Give me a call. And I'm like, well, heck, why not? So I did. I called him. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. We met. We hung out. And after that, it was like we became friends. We had to spend time becoming friends first before we could think about, you know, doing TV together or radio or whatever. And at the time, I was just started doing play-by-play for a junior hockey team in town called the Toledo Cherokee. I bought airtime from the radio station and flew out on my own dime, flew out to Simi Valley, California, to broadcast live the national championship game that the Cherokee made. I I took a gamble. I didn't know if they were going to make it, but they made it and won it. And I was able to bring it to, I was able to broadcast it back to Toledo. What year was this? 1990, it was the 97-98 season. Oh, wow. So 1998. So, so, you know, you fast forward through all these years, uh, J-Mo and me, you know, we started. Uh, I started being a cameraman at first with him. I was just doing camera, and then on the on, on the weekends we do the weekly uh, sports show, and that's where it took off. And from there, I started doing. Uh, when I was with the Cherokee, I started doing internet broadcasting, and that was back in the late '90s. This is the Toledo Sports Network. That's that's kind of where it came from. Uh, so I started broadcasting, and Jamal was still strictly television and terrestrial radio so but i was doing internet and i had been doing internet at the end of the 90s and into the 2000s so once we did that we just you know we just had we decided to kind of put it all together and i just said why don't we just start streaming i've got a i've got a website i've got a link i've got all that already we don't have to get all that stuff why don't we start broadcasting some of the stuff that i'm doing I've got this. I've got the site for whenever I want it. So why don't we use it to, you know, start brought? And so we started with Cherokee hockey, but then went on to uh, Cardinal Scritch football, which is a local high school here in the Northwest Ohio area, uh, JMO's alma mater. And so we started doing all kinds of things from there, uh, from an audio standpoint. But then we had we uh, met a couple people uh, from a at another television station, and we started to do some work with them for television. And then as the internet grew, so did we as far as expanding, putting this stuff on, on the web, television-wise. And so all our television content, we moved it on to the internet as well. So we were doing both, and to this day we still are. We're still doing TV, we're still doing radio, and we're still doing internet. And that's where, it's kind of, that's where it kind of came from. And yours truly, uh, well, I did 20 years uh, not to life, but 20 years uh, <laughs> with the Toledo Cherokee as their play-by-play voice. And I retired right around 2016 or 17, right in there, and uh, that last season. And uh, I just, uh, you know, I just knew it was time. And I wanted to be able to focus a little bit more because, I mean, back then I was doing home and road games. And so it's not like, you know, I'm just going to the area high schools. No. Right. I'm, I'm, you're going all over, the, all over the parts of the country. I mean, I would go to St. Louis or Davenport, Iowa, or Minnesota somewhere, or you know what I mean? And then out east, Pittsburgh, Jamestown, New York. You'd go to up into Flint, Michigan, down into Cincinnati. I mean, 
just all over the Midwest loop. And that was fine. I enjoyed it for what it was. But then when real life catches up with you, you know, I mean, in my case, my better half, she's like, you know, uh, I, need to, I need you to be around a little bit more and things like that. So when real life catches up to you, you kind of got to go, okay. But it was great. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I made so many friends that I'm friends with to this day. Uh, I, I mean, that's the one thing about this bomber. We talk about, you know, our paths and stuff. I mean, you found your path from uh, just over the line in Michigan uh, through the Toledo Sports Network, and now you're down in Nashville. You found, you carved your path. And that's the one thing about with this medium we have is that even in spite of that, we still are able to keep in touch. We're still able to, uh, you know, still keep in contact and still be friends because it's uh, this of this wonderful medium we call the Internet. And uh, we're allowed to, you know, it allows us to be able to do the things that we want to do, whether it's uh, broadcast sports, talk about music, talk about life, whatever. Uh, it's all been it's all been a, a, a heck of a joyride, I tell you. And uh, this this has been and that's pretty much my story. You know, I mean, I've, I'm to the point now, though, where as I, I'm older now, I'm not looking to, you know, sit on my rest on my laurels. I want to give back. You know, that's the thing. I want to give back because uh, I've been treated so well and so wonderful by so many people. And the only way you can truly thank them is by giving back and showing others, helping others to uh, make that grasp. If they're young, even if they're not so young, but they decide they want to try to do something different. If you can show them the way, then that's what I'm here for, you know, is to kind of, you know, my, my way isn't perfect, but it's unique and it is for me what it is. So I just, you know, that's what, that's where I'm at at this point. Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, guys like you gave me my, my shot and, um, you know, the, the older I get, like I've, I've never been somebody that's ever really been short on my thank yous, but at the same time, like, you know, move in. So I, you know, for people listening to this, I moved, I moved to Tennessee in 2015. So at that point I was starting my, um, let's see, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. I was starting my sixth football season with you guys at Toledo Sports Network. Um, and, and I just got to a point where in Toledo, I kind of felt like it was just time for a change. And it was, it was really hard to leave everybody there. Um, and, you know, and not just the, you guys at Toledo Sports Network, but, you know, some, some of my close family that still lives there, some of my close friends that still live there. But you get to a point in life where it's time to make a change. But as you get older, and especially with, with doing this kind of stuff, I mean, um, even though I'm not doing it, like, for a living uh, currently, it's it's still, you always, kind of like you said, I mean, you were six years old, you know, when when you stood in front of the mirror to do that scope, you know, commercial with yourself and like I remember being a kid and going to storm games Toledo storm games with my dad and going to Toledo Rockets games and you know to this day I'm still a basketball hoops junkie you know a few nights ago I went down a YouTube rabbit hole as as I'm want to do and and uh ended up discovering that not only did Kenny Rogers yes Kenny Rogers have a basketball classic in the 80s but Michael Jordan Larry Bird and Dominique Wilkins all played in it and MJ, to no surprise, was swatting dudes like it was Game 7 of the Finals. Uh, so, 
this stuff is in your blood, you know what I mean? It's whatever it is, um, it gets in your blood. And, you know, we, we had our ups and downs at Toledo Sports Network, and I just want to say for the record, too, man, like, I, I love you like a brother. I love Mike like a brother. I know I know we, we had our agreements and our disagreements on stuff, and sometimes it would get tough. And, you know, um, and even when I started doing play-by-play, like, I never wanted you to think that I was trying to, like, come for your spot or come for Steve's spot or anything. I was just young and hungry and I was looking at, you know, looking at what what the next level could be, whatever that was. And I thought, well, you know, I don't know if, I, if I'd get a shot as a color analyst, so maybe play-by-play, you know, will, will help, you know, getting some reps in, doing that will help me. So uh, I just want to be clear, man, that that was never my intent was to, like, come for you oh, or no. any, anybody else's spot and um you know sometimes stuff gets said and and there's there's the telephone game that gets played and uh i i just i really want you to know that like you know that mm-hmm. you you were always my friend you will always be my friend and so there's a lot of water under the bridge of of life as as time goes on and years pass but you know i i just for the record, I want to say that while we're doing this too, man, that uh, I oh, never, I, there was never any ill will or intent on my part. I was literally just trying to get as much experience as I could. Um, I was very young. I was very green. And you and Mike and Steve in particular, you know, and, and not just you guys, but, you know, but Mike Mike Downey uh, um, and, and all the guys that, that have done camera work over the years, um, Cheatham yeah. and and Logan and Lucas um, and you know everybody. Don, that, Dave Donaldson. Yep. Donaldson. Um, you know Jay Jay Williams is da- is down here right now doing some work and we've got together. But uh, so so I want I just want to make that clear too, man. That uh, there there was never any bad blood on my end. And and I remember you and I even even talked you know even before I moved about everything. So I know we're cool, but. I, I always worry about stuff too, and I want you to know that, like, I just, I was young back then, and I was trying to get as much experience as possible. But it was never, it was never a bad blood thing. And you know, broadcasting is, uh, you know, the work that I did with you guys was was instrumental in my life because even though I feel like a lot of people who know me now and friends that I've met in Nashville, you know, my girlfriend. Uh, people that listen to this show will be like oh yeah that dude's a talker he's uh you know he's somebody that's like outgoing and extroverted but but really i've always kind of considered myself an introvert i definitely spend a lot of time up in my head for better or worse and uh broadcasting and doing that work with you guys with toledo sports network from that first show at blue pacific grill to all the high school games we did over the years to the radio show on 106.5, um, the show that you and I did together um, when we would meet uh, that first year that I got out of college and, and bringing, you know, Toledo Cherokee guys and, and coaches. Um, I mean, all of that stuff really helped me come out of my shell and become a more a more confident, well-rounded person. You know what I mean? So, um you know, I, you know, I just thing, want to pay the, my respect and of, say thank you for that, you know? I appreciate that. Thank you. But, you know, just to, just for the record, too, it was never, I never once felt threatened 
I never once felt like you were trying to do something or try to come after my spot or whatever. Never once did I ever feel that. What the only thing that I honestly back at the in the time and to this day, I still feel about that all of that stuff back then was I was like, yeah, he, he's a good he's a good uh, play by play guy, rock solid good play by play guy, but he is a lights out like incredible, incredible color analyst that you could you could break and dissect and analyze plays like nobody I know and you and the thing you always did so good and still do bomber is you know how to walk a play up in other words like if it's football with the while they're in the huddle you know how to break down a, the previous play and you know how to build up what they should anticipate or what they might want to try to do in the next play you could and you walked it up so perfect and just you made my job to where I was like, I'm like, hey, I'm just gonna sit and let the kid run, you know. And that's all it ever was was that it was just it wasn't that you, uh, anyone felt like you were trying to come after someone's spot. It was that, my gosh, she's got this color thing down so good. Why would he want to? You know, I thought if he's gonna make it at, at, at any other levels, it's gonna be as a color guy because he is so good at it. And that was the honest to God. That was the whole process, the whole thought process behind all of that. It was just that you were so dang on good at what you did. It wasn't that. It wasn't ever about you know. Oh, he might take my spot. Nah, not at all. Because I told you when we first met, when we were come out of the uh, when we were doing those Cherokee shows, yep, coaches shows. I remember those. We'd be at that bar. It was called Good Times. Yes, yes. And, uh, yeah, it was called Good Times, and we'd come out. Of there. It was like Taco Tuesday or something. Yep. And we'd come. Yep. And we'd come out of those shows and. I talked to you, we talk about this and stuff, about the different things, and I'm like, dude, you're going to, I said, all I want is for you to remember when. I always told you, I remember telling you that. Always, I want you to always remember when. And that would, meaning that you, you're springboarded with us, but you're going to go on and do your own thing. And when you do, just remember and look back and go, that fat old man wasn't so crazy after all. <laughs> You know, well, so I, 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 I want to let you know, dude, that I love you like a brother, and, and, and I appreciate I appreciate the, the kind words, man, because I always had fun doing games with you, and, um, and, and we've had a lot, of, a lot of fun high school football and basketball moments over the years and fun moments on the radio with all the guys. So, um, oh, my gosh. If we, if we would have to have like about two or three more podcasts if we tried to talk about the radio show. <laughs> my goodness, that that was that thing was a life unto itself. Well, I know that I know thing. I know you got a game coming up a little bit, but um, are, are we cool for like another another 25 minutes or so? Because I, I definitely want to get into the Cherokee stuff with you. Well, Just, we can take all the time you need because I'm I don't have to be out of here for about another hour and 15 minutes. Okay, okay. I just want to make sure that I don't, uh, you know, I don't, I don't make you late because you guys, where, where's the game at today that you're doing? Who do you guys got? I've got. Uh, it's going to be girls. Uh, I think it's sectionals. Uh, okay. Playoff. Uh, it's uh, Anth- it's at Anthony Wayne, and it is the Lake Flyers, and I'm trying to remember who they play. Okay. Uh, oh darn it, I can't remember. But oh, uh, they're playing uh, Elmwood. It's an all NBC matchup. Oh okay. So North. That conference, so yeah, they're going to be out at Anthony Wayne though uh, later this afternoon. But like I said, uh, I got plenty of time, and it, this is worth it because I'm enjoying my time with you, my friend. 
and I love you like a brother back. I don't want to. I haven't said it yet, but <laughs> believe me, I love you like a little brother that you are. Because I don't have any. I don't have any uh, blood brothers. I genuinely don't. My family. I got all girls. So I treasure any male bonding time with uh, my bros, and you're one of them. And I love you to death. Well, I appreciate so, that, but, man. I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I wanted to. I wanted to touch on the. You know, circle back on the Cherokee stuff because I, I think of all the all the work that you've done. You know, just knowing you personally, I know I know hockey is your is your all time favorite sport, um, and you were the voice of the Cherokee for you know over twenty years. Um, how did that How did that relationship start? I know you touched on it a little bit going out to California, and I didn't even know that all the years that I've known you um, and paying your own way to go out there, but. Um, how did that relationship start in, in the mid '90s? Um, you mentioned doing the internet stuff and 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 growing over the years in, in your 20 plus years with them. Well, it started back in the in the '90s. I had uh, I had saw I, a friend of mine, Rich Osterhout, works at who also worked at the same hospital that we worked at at the time. He uh, was involved with the team. At an executive level. Okay. And I heard I heard him talking about it, and so I said, "Well, I'll just go watch a game." You know, I I had just finished broad, uh, broadcasting school and all that other stuff, so I really was not doing anything with it. So I went over to Tam O'Shanter Ice Arena, and they had a game. I saw they had a game in, on a Sunday afternoon, so I'm like, "Okay, cool." So I went over and I was going to just go watch. Well. I ran into my buddy over there, and he was telling me that they don't have, uh, they're doing play-by-play. Now, mind you, this is before the Internet. So they had, they were doing play-by-play for their videos. They video, they VHS videotaped, that tells you how old we are, they <laughs> videotaped every game and stuff for the officials and stuff like that. If anything went wrong or anything, they had to videotape. But they wanted to have someone do play-by-play. So that the if there was uh, any scouts that wanted uh, copies of the games to see watch certain kids, then they would have it under that type of professional sounding condition. Well, the team owner was doing the play by play, but the problem was he would get so emotionally involved that he'd be start, he'd be trying to do the play by play, and all of a sudden he'd start yelling and screaming at the referee or start cussing and everything. <laughs> so. Yeah, they, they were looking for a, a, a regular, just a legitimate play-by-play guy. And I was just out of, like I said, I was just out of broadcast school. I had nothing really on the horizon. I was just, I, had, I hadn't even met JMO yet. And uh, uh, this was in 96 or, I think the end of 95 or ni- early 96. Anyway, so, yeah, it was early 96 because it was already well into the season. So anyhow, so I walk over and I introduce myself and I'm like, well, if you guys are looking for someone to do, you know, play by play for that stuff, you know, I said, hey, I'll do it. I don't care. And they're like, you sure? And I'm like, yeah. So I would stand there next to the camera guy and John Renegar and I would sit there and we would uh, do the games. And I, I made so many mistakes and it was so brutal, but I got through them and I learned, you know, and his, and John's wife, Chris, she was an owner of the team. Her and uh, Dr. Rod McCarthy owned the team back then, and I, they, they, they were like, "We'll give you a shot," you know, 
And so I said, I appreciate it. And they, I mean, I was an unknown. I had nothing. I mean, I, I literally, I just was un, in, un, inexperienced. I had no, any kind of bona fides to say, hey, I'm a play-by-play guy. You should hire me. So uh, they just, uh, they took a chance on me. And I never forgot. And that's the one thing I will say is that I always, I try my hardest to be as, the most loyal person on, on your team whenever it comes down to it, when the chips are down. And they took a chance on me, you know, an unknown. And I worked my way through the first couple seasons, just kind of, okay, and did the home games. And that included the national championship season and the second season I was there. And I'm thinking, crap. And the first season I was there, when I joined midseason, we went to the national championship game, which was held at Tamilshanner. It was in Toledo that year. And we made it all the way to the title game, but we lost. So we went to the title game in Simi Valley, California, the following season, where we won it all. And I'm in my head, I'm thinking, man, we this is normal. We go to championships all the time. Haven't seen one since. Been to a couple of title games, but we haven't won it all since. So it's you 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 have to. It, it really teaches you to appreciate whenever you get the opportunity, man. Treasure it, man, and just go for it because you don't know when those chances will ever come again. So anyhow, I uh, I started there, and I worked my way through the ranks because back then the Internet was just starting back in the uh, late 90s. And so I started, I put together a deal where uh, some folks at an Internet company helped me out, and I gave them uh, airtime on because I'd started with JMO and stuff and on the radio by then. And we start, I started, I, I put a spot for them on the radio. And in exchange, they would let me have the website, my little website. It was nothing flashy or fancy or anything. It was just a link to, for audio. But it's from humble beginnings, buddy. You know, I can remember doing play-by, I was the only play-by-play guy in the entire league. And so there was nobody else doing it. And I was doing home and away. And I remember doing play-by-play down in Cincinnati. I'd be at a picnic table. I had to sit ringside at a picnic table. They didn't even have locker rooms in this place that they we played at because they took two big white sheets and, and a closed uh, string and hung it across in a corner, and that was, quote-unquote, the locker room. Oh, wow. Behind the sheet. Yeah. Jeez. And, uh, you know, just stuff like that, man. You, you don't forget that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, we uh, I can remember seeing uh, coaches get involved in fights and get Called and the police called and everything else uh, before puck drop. Uh, I mean, just wild stuff that stories that some of which uh, I, I, I swore to secrecy I'd never tell. So but, uh, <laughs> you get the point. You just you, when you're riding the buses, it, it it really gives you a perspective that you just don't get anywhere else. And so you know, 20 years of that, you know, seeing kids uh, realize their dreams and some of them getting their hearts broken and everything in between. Uh, you know, you just see, you see what, uh, it's kind of a microcosm of life, you know, you see what's there and, uh, you know, so after, like I say, after about 20 years, it was like, uh, it was time for me to make a change for myself. And it isn't that I didn't think that, you know, I was uh, gonna like not enjoy it, but it's just, it's one of those things where you just, sometimes, you know, it's time to move on and, and it's part of your growing process. Just because I'm old doesn't mean I'm too old to grow, you know, or learn. And so that's all I did was I was just transitioning into another phase of my life. And, you know, uh, I've got, you know, the better half. She's uh, 
she's the one that keeps me learning now. You know, I learn more about her every day and uh, best decision I ever made, you know, uh, on this earth. And so I've learned to, you know, make that adjustment. But I still go back every now and then to a Cherokee game. Uh, they're in the playoffs. Matter of fact, this weekend they played last night, um, and they play again tonight down in Columbus. Okay. So, but uh, but um, I'll keep tabs on them and stuff online tonight. But uh, yeah, I you know, like I said, that was my that was just kind of my uh, my my journey with them. And I met, like I said, I've met some tremendous people along the way in that in that world. Uh, where some of the kids that I've met have gone on to the, a couple of them went out, made it all the way to the NHL. A lot of them uh, went on to play minor league pro hockey. Uh, you just learn so much from the quality of these kids. Uh, some of them I ran into at the hospital that are now doctors. Oh, wow. You know? I mean, you don't, yeah. So, you know, matter of fact, uh, last fall, I ran into uh, one of our former players. He was doing his OB gym. Uh, rotation as a resident and I was just sitting there going oh my gosh I go boy long long gone since the days of uh, trying to do leaners in the, in the hotel room a leaner is uh, uh, when you take all the glasses out of the hotel room and you go to your teammates uh, his room his doorway at like after after a uh, curfew check and you would take them and we would stack up the glasses and lean them against the door so that in the morning when they woke up to come out and go to breakfast for the team meeting, they would open the door and all these glasses would come falling in on them and stuff <laughs> like that. Just just little fun little things like that. You know, we call that we call them leaners, and uh, we would do stuff like that to each other. That was just part of the you know the fun of being on the road, you know, and and the bonding, you know. So that's how you would bond is uh, just doing practical jokes on on, on your brothers. And of course, I was usually I usually didn't do too much of that. Honestly, I didn't. But uh, every now and then, every now and then, but they would get me back too. Though whenever I did, I had one player literally silly string my entire car because I didn't ride the bus. I drove out to Philadelphia, and he literally silly stringed my entire car. I had to clean that up. Mess oh up. That gosh, that's the worst silly yeah. string. Yes. Yeah. Uh. And that kid went on to play minor league pro hockey in Knoxville, and. Uh, he played out there for a few seasons, and I think he's in law enforcement now. But uh, anyway, yeah, you know, you just, these kids are, are, like I said, it's special because this is the best time of their life, and they go on to, you know, do the, the real life thing, but they always remember you. You know, that's the one thing. They always remember you because it's, uh, it's a part where it's part of where they learn, where they're learning and they're growing up, and they're learning what it means. And you know, they but they're they're usually pretty thankful. They're usually grateful, and and you know that to me, that's my portfolio, is the is the good that when these kids come back to you and say thank you, and things that that to me is more. I treasure that more than money, gold, whatever. I treasure that the fact that they are come back and say thanks. That means more to me than anything. Yeah, and I'm glad you said that too because um, you know I think that's part of getting older too. I'm actually going to be I'm going to be 32 next week, um, and uh, it's it's crazy to me when I look at like the past 10 years of my life and how much has happened and how much you know time goes by. I mean, experiencing death and love and new relationships and endings and beginnings. Like 
I think there's probably in the last 10 years of my life, there's probably been been more change that's happened than in, than in the previous 22. You know what I mean? And um, yeah. and a lot of it's been good. It's and actually, I would say it's all good. You know, through even through the mistakes that I've made and poor decisions that I've made, through the great decisions that I've made, and you know the experiences that I've gotten. You know, when I was younger, you know, when you're young and you're green and you're hungry, you just you know, I, I was always looking at like, okay, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? You know, uh, when I was in high school, I was worried about college. And when I was in college, I was worried about what I was going to do when I got out of college and then getting out of college and go, okay, when is that job going to come? Or when is this going to come? And I spent so much time, I think, looking, looking either, you know, over the mountaintop or looking in the rear view that I, I forgot and a lot, a lot of times, and it's not to say that I didn't have fun, and I didn't enjoy myself, because like I said, I've had a lot of, a lot of fun moments with you in the booth, or with Steve, or with Mike, or, you know, and, and even outside of that, just with friends and family. But I think now that I'm getting older, and it's hard, you know, it's hard to change those synapses in your brain that have fired a certain way for so long, and it takes work. But I'm learning to to enjoy the journey more because you know that's what you realize with life and you know all the stuff that we're talking about for us it's our it's our bond from you know the 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 sports and the in the music and the broadcasting you know for for other people it might be you know art it might be you know um you know the medical field like you're talking about right you know and and I'm learning more as I get older to to enjoy the moments and enjoy the journey because that's that's really where the fun is at. That's where you cut your teeth. That's where you make mistakes and you learn. Um, and and uh, and so I think that's a that's an important point to make. Kind of like what you're talking about, you know, because because for people who don't know, as it relates to the junior hockey level, right? Um, I mean, these are kids who are high school age kids, and they're living, you know, Toledo. For a lot of them, isn't their hometown, right? I mean, there's kids from Canada. There's kids from other parts of the country. So that junior hockey circuit, those kids in some ways are growing up really, really quickly, too, because they're doing something that they love. But, you know, they're they're living in a completely, a completely different part of the country and sometimes in, in a different country. Right. Yeah, that's correct. They have it's the age level is 16 through 20 years old. So the kids, sometimes they the, the they'll come in and they'll, they'll have to, in addition to playing hockey, they'll be going to high school or college or working a job. Uh, they'll be doing all of that stuff in addition to their hockey. And the thing is, is that junior level hockey is different than high school hockey in that, number one, the skill level is is like five and tenfold in, increased. But also the fact that these kids get traded, these kids get cut, these kids, you know, they and they come here and they come from uh, all over the country. Some teams are different. Some teams will recruit from within their own little area, like St. Louis. St. Louis has players from the, mostly from their high school because they're one of only, I think, two states in the country that allow high school kids to play high school hockey and uh, junior hockey, travel okay. hockey. So they're able to do that. Most of the states do not allow that, but they're one of, like, I think, two. And I can't remember which the other state is. But anyway, the point is, is that they're able to do that. So they just recruit from around town, and they're able to do that where places like in Toledo, well, most any junior program from around the country, they, they, they draft, they, you know, they look at these kids from, uh, they have scouts all over the country looking for talent, 
Uh, and not only here, but up in Canada, of course, obviously the hotbed up there. Right. But you also get you also get stuff from kids from Europe. Uh, we've had a couple of kids from Russia. We've had kids from Norway. We've had kids from Sweden. Uh, you name it. Uh, we've had them all. And the thing is, is that you know, talent is talent wherever you get it from. But you know what we try to do, or what the Cherokee try to do. I, I'm so stuck used to saying we. I'll always say we when it comes to the Cherokees. I'll always, you cut my heart open, you'll see a big Indian head in there. But uh, anyway, um, the thing is, is that with them is that they try to recruit, they're trying to recruit more local kids because they're trying to grow the game. Right. In other words, you know, they've got high school hockey in the Northwest Ohio area, but it isn't as strong as places like in Michigan and and uh, over in the Cleveland area or, or, and things like that where it's a lot more pro prominent high school hockey is. The Toledo area, the Northwest Ohio area, is decent hockey. But if the, you want these kids to be able to have a shot at making it to whether it's uh, juniors or, or even uh, club college, you know, we play uh, on a club team in college, uh, you want them to be, it, it's, it's a too far of a jump from high school to that where junior hockey prepares them specifically for that to make to play either at a higher level of juniors or in college that that's what junior hockey prepares them for so uh in, in high school there's still some work to be done there yet here in the northwest ohio area as far as making that trying to make that jump but that's what the cherokee's there for to help bridge that gap so uh, anyway, that's but yeah, these kids, you know, they come from we they are recruited from all over, and it's a you know it's a it's a labor of love. You don't do it for the money, because the kids pay to play at the level that the Cherokee are at. They don't they don't get paid. They pay to play, and it isn't cheap. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there. I mean, hockey in itself is an expensive sport. Let's yeah. just be honest. With all I the mean, equipment, if you're playing fourteen and fifteen year old kids, if they're really good and they're playing travel which means they're playing at the midget level, uh, they're, 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 hoard, they're tossing out like about ten to 12000 a year just to play hockey. Yeah. And that don't include everything, you know, so you, that's, it's not cheap. So, and then the junior levels, it, it depends, you know. The highest level of juniors in, the, in, in, in America is the United States Hockey League, and that's the Tier 1 level. The Tier 2 level is the North American Hockey League. Those are the only two levels of junior where the kids don't pay to play. Okay. They don't get paid because they keep their amateur status that way, but they don't. But they don't pay to play either. So uh, that's where the other the level the tier three levels all pay to play, and that's probably what helps, you know, as far as uh, helping these programs survive. But and that's again, what the the Cherokee is in is tier three. Yeah, they're tier three, and so that they're tier three junior A. So what that does is that allows them to be. It, you know, like I say, scouts come and watch these kids because then to see whether it's from the tier two or tier one, but also from the uh, colleges, uh, the club programs. You know, you know, like for example, Bowling Green State University, they got a great uh, hockey team. Yeah. But they also have a club. They also have a club program that allows for the kids uh, that uh, might not necessarily make the jump to D one college hockey, but they still want to go to a school like that, like Bowling Green. They, they could play for the club team. It's kind of like, I guess, in, in layman's terms, it'd be kind of like a, a, a very organized, professionally run intramural program, uh, for lack of a better description. 
that's what it kind of is. And there are a lot of club teams. There's a club team at University of Toledo. Uh, I mean, all over all over the country. There's I mean, there's teams out in Arizona, Arizona, Arizona State. Their their teams are club teams and stuff. You know, they don't have D1 programs or anything like that, but they have the club teams. And so they play, uh, you know, they play teams like Toledo. They'll play Kentucky. They'll play uh, Indiana. But that's the whole idea behind it. So that's why there's junior programs to help develop these kids to get there. Yeah. And in the process, get a college education. Right, right. What are some moments, um, you know, you mentioned the, the championship early on. Um, and a couple of guys that went to the NHL. Who who were those those guys that went that went pro? And and what were some of your favorite moments with the Cherokee over the years? Well, uh, as far as the kids that have made it to the to the show, uh, there were three kids that came out of St. Louis that played for St. Louis that made it to the show. A guy that most NHL fans know by the name of Paul Stastny. Uh, he played for the Junior Blues and he played against the Cherokee in the in the, in our barn for several years uh, back when he was a kid uh, and stuff. And the funny part was his brother, Jan Stastny, was the better junior player. Uh, Jan, was pretty, he, he had a few games in the show, but he uh, ended up pretty much in the minors. I think he's retired now. But anyway, uh, but uh, Paul Stastny is, I believe he's with Vegas right now. And uh, he, he played a he, he's having a, a good career solid career, but yeah he played for the St. Louis team, and uh, also from St. Louis was uh, Chris Butler, and he I know he played defense he was in Buffalo, and uh, I'm trying to remember who the third guy was. Um, oh darn it I can't remember who the other guy was but. Uh, as a matter of fact, I know who it is simply from the standpoint that after he finished his career in the NHL, he is now the color analyst for the St. Louis Blues uh, NHL team, uh, their radio broadcasts. And I can't remember his name. He used to play for – he won a cup with Pittsburgh okay. uh, back in 10. So, and I can't remember for the life of me. It, it'll come to me, but it's just I'm getting old and forgetful there, Mike. But oh, it's anyhow, all right. Um, but as far as the Cherokee go, oh, my gosh, just, you know, I could sit there and talk about the exciting games, this, that, and the other thing, but um, the moments, there are moments with the Cherokee that I'll, I'll treasure forever. You know, uh, when uh, there was a, a policeman that was uh, murdered, he was shot and killed in the line of duty, and we had his wife, uh, about a week after that happened, we had his wife come to the rink, and dropped the ceremonial first puck, and we donated the house. Uh, we donated the, all the money we raised from, and you know, ticket sales and everything, the 50-50, and we were uh, we donated all that to her. And the team we were playing was uh, we we're playing Chicago at home. We we're playing Chicago, and the owner and coach of the team came over, and without even batting an eye. Uh, handed handed us uh, 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 a thing full of cash. Said, here, I want to contribute from us, too. And it's stuff like that that you remember. I mean, the, the, the hockey, we always have this saying in hockey, yeah, hockey is the tie, has the ties that bind, you know. And, you know, in other words, you, when you're willing to go the extra mile for someone that's not necessarily on, uh, wears your jersey, but because they're hockey people, you step up, that's, 
that's kind of how it is. With hockey's different in that it's a, it's while basketball, football, baseball, love all those sports. Nothing wrong with them; they're great. But hockey is more for people that do it. It's more of a lifestyle because yeah. they, I mean, when you plan when you plan your va- your work vacations, your time off around hockey tournaments for your kids, not to go somewhere and spend time in the summer or something. No. You're you're taking all your vacation time in the winter because you want the weekends off because you got to go to Toronto or you got to go to Buffalo or you got to go to you know uh, somewhere like Cleveland for for a tournament. That's that's a lifestyle. Yeah, it just is, and and so that's why people do that. That's why people say hockey's a lot different. It's a lot more. You, you get some weirder weirder folks in there, but they're, they're good-hearted people. They're good-hearted people. Well, and you even you even notice it like when you watch NHL games and stuff and the interviews, just the just the nicknames. I I feel like hockey is like, you know, kind of like back in like the '40s and stuff. It's like, oh, this is two legs Jones. You know what I mean? Like, like hockey's the yeah. one sport where I feel like the you can really see the bond. Uh, with with the teams, you know what I mean, and just uh, even as a Wings fan growing up, you know, with the Russian Five and the Grind Line and Ozzy, and you know, every everybody's got a nickname in hockey, which I still love. Well, that's the funny part about it. I mean, you, you look at uh, whether it's uh, baseball, football, or basketball. You know, it's like there's Doug, you know, Doug whoever, and da 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 da. In hockey, no, it's Dougie, or yeah. it's you know what I mean. It's like there's no there's no prim and proper. I'm an all star. No, it's hey Dougie, what's going on? You know, it's like you talk you talk to him like he's a seven year old, and, and and it's like it's great because he fires it right back at you. Yeah, you know, and that's 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 what's great about hockey is that it it, it it feeds that inner kid in you and stuff. So you know, uh, but yeah, I mean, as far as like I say, moments being making it to the yeah making it to the national championship and winning it, yeah, that I mean, it's that's hard to top. You can't really top that. But like I said, that happened in my second year. So I can't, you know, I mean, there's been so much that's happened since then. Uh, watching kids who used to be, you know, self-centered, total jerks, uh, mature, grow up and say, you know what, I was, you know, I was a jerk back then, you know, and stuff. And they'll say, you know, now they're responsible adults. You know, they're just, I should say, say jerks. I should say they're immature. They were immature, you know, because, I mean, I mean, you, you know, you're asking a 16-year-old to act like a responsible adult. That's not an easy ask. Right. And that's usually impossible. So, you know, you just kind of you learn and you guide them and you hope for the best. And there, I've seen some, some kids in there who I thought, oh, my gosh, the, the, no chance, and have come on, have grown on to become wonderful, wonderful human beings and, and got families of their own. And are doing it right, you know. And you, you thought, man, where was that kid when I knew him? You know, when he when he laced up the skates, and you know, it's just a maturation process, bomber. We all know. We talked about that before. It, you know, it's you know, as you get older, you learn. You know, and sometimes it takes going through a school of hard knocks. But you know, sometimes it's if you have the right folks in your path, and you know, that's that's where that's where it, it goes. And uh, as far as the Cherokee, probably. The other big topper, I hesitate to mention it because it just happened recently, and that was uh, getting the SAP Memorial Award, and uh, that was a few weeks ago. And Well, if you didn't mention it, I was going to mention it, so. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks, Palmer. I knew I could count it. <laughs> anyway, 
But seriously, no, the, what the Sat Memorial Award, it's an award that the Toledo Cherokee Organization gives out for to people who impact the hockey community here in the Toledo area. Uh, people that, in a positive way that have contributed to the game, that uh, help make, I mean, and, it, and it's to celebrate the life of our former president, uh, Ken Miller Sr., no one ever, ever, ever called him Ken or Kenny or any version of Kenneth. He was just Sap. That was his nickname. Even his kids never called him Dad. They called him Sap. I mean, so it was just that was Sap. He was just he was a great guy, and he embodied the game. I mean, he, he ran the Ice House back in the day. Growing up, uh, when they had uh, the Greater Toledo Area Hockey Association, uh, and it was either – it was – it was usually out at the old sports arena. You remember that place, Bob? Oh yeah. But oh, yeah. Um, anyway, he would uh, he would run the the organization there for the little kids, the real little kids, to try and play hockey. And sometimes they didn't have the money because, like I told you, hockey's an expensive sport, and they didn't always have the money. Well, he would let them come and play anyway. You know that was sap. He just gave to the game because he thought so much of the game and how important it was that he, he just thought that it was that important that he helped kids along and stuff. And he he was the president of the hockey team when he unfortunately had a heart attack and passed away a few, about, well, it's been five years now. My goodness. Oh, wow. Anyhow, um, but what a, it was right. Matter of fact, it was he had the heart attack on uh, five years ago on Super Bowl Sunday, which was, and it was in the beginning of February and uh, on 20, in 2015. And so every year, since then, and will continue. Uh, the first week, for, I think it's a Saturday. The first Saturday night in February is usually designated as the SAP game. Well, this year, my I was contacted by uh, Kenny Miller Jr. and uh, Kenny sent me a text, you know, saying that would you come to the rink because we want to uh, award the SAP award? And I said sure. I said who's the recipient? And he said Todd Omi which is our uh, associate coach, head coach. And so I said, well, I'd be honored. You know, I said, I'll, I'll be happy to uh, present it to him. And so he said, this is a secret. He doesn't know it, so don't say anything to anyone. And, of course, um, I've been dealing with all kinds of stuff, you know, real life creeping in, so I didn't really give it a thought. You know, I was like, okay, hey, no sweat, you know. So I went about doing my business and stuff, um, doing all the things that I want to do, you know, whether it be, you know, work, uh, of course, uh, you know, as well as, you know, that I'm dealing with cancer right now and getting the treatments for that and stuff. And I've been doing all of that stuff. So I didn't really put a lot of thought into, you know, going over there and presenting the SAP award. I thought I was just going to put on my, my SAP jersey, walk over there, smile, take a couple pictures and hand the award off. Well, I get there that game night and I noticed there's a few people in the crowd that, I haven't seen since their playing days. And I'm like, dang. And so I went over and hugged and I thought, well, well, they're coming back to see Omi, you know. I thought, Coach Omi. So, you know, I thought, man, that's really great. And then I ran into, you know, a, a couple of my dear friends that have nothing to do with hockey. And they're like, oh, yeah, uh, my daughter's here to watch her boyfriend play or this guy she's interested in to play. He's uh, he's playing. So I'm like, going, oh, Okay. And so, again, I'm not putting much thought into this. I've got my mind's a million miles do, oh, an hour doing everything else. So I go in the back, and I'm talking to Kenny Miller Jr. 
uh, his brother Kelly and their mom, uh, Sap's widow, uh, Michelle. So we're talking and stuff, and so they're saying we were going to do this with Omi and stuff, and I'm like, okay. So they all go out there, and I go out there. And I noticed I'm the kind of the odd oddball out there, you know, because I can understand Omi's out there because he's going to be presented it, but he's also one of the coaches. So he had a reason to be out there. And then, of course, the Miller family's out there. And then there's me. And I'm like, what in the... But I didn't put, like I said, I didn't put it together. And then so the announcer overhead, the PA announcer says, and I want to uh, announce that the winner, this year's winner of the SAP Memorial Award winner goes to, and then he says my name. And I just, my jaw dropped. I was like, wait, what? I didn't even process it. And and, and Omi looks at me and he's like, gotcha. And I just, <laughs> I shook his hand and I went to hug him and I go, you, put, you got one over on me. I said, I had no clue. And they're all laughing at me and smiling. I'm like getting, starting to get a little bit choked up, you know, because I mean, it means a lot, you know, because SAP meant so much to, to hockey in Toledo. Well, then, as if that wasn't enough, I mean, that was more than enough for me. I was getting ready to leave. And they go, no, hold on. They go, if you'll please direct your attention across the ice over up in the stands, there is the press box. And they pull this banner off of the front of the press box. And I see in big red letters my name up there, and it says the Mick Gonzalez Press Box. And I just lost it. I, I, I'll be honest, I lost it, man. I was crying like a schoolgirl. <laughs> I mean, 20 years, 20 years of that, of that, doing the scope commercial when you're five, breaking your arm, all of that stuff, listening and mimicking all the Hockey Night in Canada announcers, talking to my friends in Hockey Canada announcers. Uh, voices, you know, that, that who who knew nothing about hockey, they'd be and you know they'd be going, hey man, let's go play some baseball, and I'd be looking at them going, oh I don't know, I might have to go chase it in the corner and go, you know, and stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, all of all that piddly stuff that I thought about, and it just totally like it just came to me, like I just it was like that life going before your eyes uh, moment. I had that there, thinking about all that stuff. And then the thing that also, those are the two that really, like I say, blew me away that night. But then the funny part was my, they pointed out to me and I look over and I see my family there. And I was like, oh my God. Bomber, they never seen me broadcast a game. They never came to a game that I broadcasted, ever. All right? Ever. But they were there for when they unveiled the box. And uh, I saw my sister and her husband, my nephews. Uh, my nieces, uh, I mean, just all, all my family was there. And the only one that wasn't there was my better half, but she was at a funeral in Kentucky, so she couldn't. So I understood that part of it. But she was going to be here and surprise me if, uh, if, if that hadn't happened. And so it was like, and the funny part was that everybody knew but me. I mean, the house was packed. That place was packed solid. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's a SAP game. It's always going to be packed. But I had guys come in, players that came in from uh, western Michigan, Kalamazoo area, uh, up in northern Michigan. Um, for, I had a kid. I'm not kidding, Bomber. I had a kid fly in. I shouldn't say he's a kid. He's a man. Uh, I think he just turned 30, as a matter of fact. He flew in from Orlando, Florida. and uh, That's awesome. You know, he... he 
Yeah, I was like so just starstruck, and you know, uh, matter of fact, he's a, a he's a, a, a caddy on the LPGA tour, and uh, he flew in from Orlando, and he was, uh, you know, he was just we were I was like, oh my god, and then I had other kids in from Cleveland, Fort Wayne, um, gee whiz, I'm trying to think of all the different towns, you know, just different areas. As well as a lot of the local kids, I call them kids, but these guys are all in their in their late twenties and thirties, and some even in their forties. And it's you know, like I say, it, it's you don't think I didn't think I did anything special. All I did was broadcast hockey games, and you know, hung around with some of the kids every now and then, and would chit chat with them and stuff. And you don't, you know, I didn't do it with that this with that in mind. I didn't do it with having the press box named after me or winning the SAP award. I did it for the reason I said it in a in a matter of fact. Uh, they quoted me, and I, I remember saying it, but I don't remember saying it. But uh, I had said that I did. I only did it for the same reasons that players play, and coaches coach, and the people that like the game staff that show up every game night. I did it because I love the game. You know, that's the only reason I ever did it. I didn't expect any of this, and it would have been just fine without it. But the fact that they went to that extra, the, all that extra uh, work and stuff to honor me, and it's like, I can never thank them enough. I can't. I could try, but it would be it'd be just useless because there's just no way. You know, they, they've been that good to me. So, you know, it's like I tell people now, it's, you know, um, I I don't look I know I've gotten probably a whole lot more miles in my rear view mirror than I do in the in the front windshield of life but whatever time I got left on this earth I want to be able to you know help others that's always a noble thing but I want to give back to the game that gave so much to me you know if it's helping in another uh, aspiring announcer if it's uh, you know just being in the background just being there you know, to help out, you know, you don't, I don't need to be, have a camera or a microphone in my hand, you know, I could just be in the background, it's, the idea is, you get set more satisfaction out of seeing others uh, do good and succeed, you know, and I get such, I get much, and again, that comes with age, that comes with wisdom, that comes with getting knocked down a few times, you learn, uh, that's and you know just because I'm you know a bazillion years old doesn't mean that I stopped learning. I still am learning to this day, and trust me, my better half reminds me of that. So you know, <laughs> but uh, it's 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 all good though. You know, so I like I said, if if I can uh, last another ten, fifteen years, or if I get called home sooner, doesn't matter. I've lived a good life, and I am happy either way. And I just I'm going to keep living happy as long as I've got. So that's pretty much it. Well, you, you deserve it, man. You, you deserve, uh, you deserve that honor. Uh, I think that's awesome. And I think it speaks to, I think it speaks to the legacy you have with, with, you know, not only the Cherokee, but with hockey and, and broadcasting in Toledo. And I think, you know, when you treat people the right way and you have the right intentions and you do something for the love of it, and you're doing it because of the passion and connecting with people like real recognizes real you know what i mean and and so that honor is very well deserved i know you're a humble guy and uh but but you know i i actually saw that 
because um, I still keep up on on stuff that's going on in Toledo from a distance, you know, the sports stuff. And I actually saw the segment that they did on the news for that, and I was like, man, that's so awesome. And you know, you wanting know to start me, this. You know what cracked me up about that bomber? Yeah. You know what cracked me up about was the fact that the the TV stations out there and they interviewed. That was that was nice. Uh, you know, you know, but the funny part is. All I've ever wanted for them to do, I told them, like, you need to cover this team, you know, because they don't get, the team itself doesn't get a lot of press coverage here in the area because high school sports is king here. Right. Whether we like it or not, that's just a fact of life. High school sports is king. And then you've got the minor league team, the walleye. And so between the two, uh, that there's, like, they don't really pay that much attention to what the Cherokee do as far as on the ice even. And uh, the fact that they came out for this, I mean, to me, is mind-blowing. But at the end of the day, I still wanted them to cover the team, you know, what the team did. Right. And, uh, you know, so that was that was important to me. And so, you know, I just, baby steps, you know, baby steps. We'll get there someday. Well, before I let you go, Mick, and thanks again, man, for, for taking the time. Um, you know, how, how are you doing? And, and you can elaborate as much or as little as you want i know you and i talked when when i was home for christmas and that was that was fun getting back together with you guys you know it's it's funny too because there's that line in uh i think it's stand by me you know which was which was developed into a movie out of a short story called the body from stephen king if my memory serves me right i never read the short story but that is one of my favorite movies i digress but at the end of that movie um, Richard Dreyfus's character, when he's writing, he's like, you know, you'll never, you'll never have any friends like the ones you had when you were twelve. And in a lot of ways, that's true because the best friends that I have now are guys that I've known um, either, you know, since I was twelve or right after that. But I thought about that when I went home at Christmas, and um, you know, every time I come home, Mike's always like, "Oh, we got to get you doing a game," or "We got," and I was like, "Mike, I don't want to." Whoever's working for you now at Toledo Sports Network, let them have their shine, man. You know what I mean? Like I don't. But if you want me to do the radio or whatever, I'll try to make it happen. And and um, I came up there for for the Christmas radio show at Pro Golf Fairways, and it was like, even though I've been gone for almost five years now, it was like it was like no time had passed. Just sitting in with you guys again and shooting the breeze and having fun, and you know, and and the tough part of it was hearing about you know the health stuff that you've been going through. Um, so again, I don't want to like, you know. Oh, I don't mind. I, I don't mind at all because it's. I, I figure the more folks that hear about it, uh, the better. That's. I went public with it on on my show first before I went, told anyone else. I went public with it on my show, uh, and I did it because I did not to say, "Oh, poor Mick," because I don't do "Oh, poor Mick." I don't. I'm not going to sit in the corner, balled up in the corner, and cry. That's not what I do. I'm not wired that way. I simply said it because I want to draw attention to the fact that, uh, for those that don't know, I was diagnosed of all days uh, last fall, in September, I think it was, yeah, on Friday the 13th. I got diagnosed with cancer. Turns out it was metastatic breast cancer, which means it's uh, incurable, it's spread to my bones. So, you know... Uh, if this had been the early 2000s or even before then or in that same neighborhood or even 2010s i would be made, i would have had to have made my uh, get do my final arrangements getting them all taken care of getting everything in order 
because that's how ruthless this thing is. However, I think the the man upstairs has got a plan for me because uh, I'm trying a new. They got me on a new uh, regimen that is like about six months old now. Back then, it wasn't even two months old. Anyway, long story short, uh, they're attacking the the tumors in me, and instead of uh, and what they're doing is they're attacking the, the estrogen that's in me because it's breast cancer, and it's like okay. Me and Richard Roundtree, great. And, of course, the other option for the younger kids is, uh, hey, yeah, me and Beyonce's dad. But um, <laughs> the, the, the point is is that uh, the estrogen that's in me is what feeds the cancer. So what they're doing is they're killing, they give me this medicine that they give me, kills the estrogen. And what happens is the cancer cells starve. So it's not going to cure, it, you know, unless the good Lord says otherwise, it's not going to cure me. But what it'll do is it'll cause the tumors to shrink, which it's been doing, and it'll cause them to die off, but they'll come back. Now, yeah, you're thinking, okay, then just we'll, you know, we'll do it again if we can, sure. And hopefully by then, there'll even be even more new treatments available. Uh, but the point is, is that through all of this, even with the, uh, even with the, treatment of uh, that I'm going through right now the one thing it's giving me is time where before it might have been six months to less than a year I'm looking at who knows I mean I'm, I've got a sister who was given a deadly diagnosis and was told point blank by her doctor stone cold you have a less than one percent chance of living a year that was 20 years ago and she's still kicking some butt and uh, still able to, uh, you know, like I say, uh, and she serves as a, as a, as an inspiration to me. So I like my odds. You know, I, I may live another fifteen or twenty years. Who knows? Uh, and if I do, great. If I don't, that's okay too. You know, I'm, I made my peace. You know, so I'm good. Uh, I faith is a big deal. You know that as well as I do, Bomber. That mm-hmm. with me, that faith is a big deal with me, and I am not afraid to say that. And uh, that's what, you know, even my own doctor, who's not a, 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 a faith guy, he, he, he looked at me, he goes, you know, he goes, that is probably what is going to be the most important thing to you. And that is what's going to help carry you and help help you get there, you know, as far as getting a longer life in. He said, your attitude and your faith is so strong that you can you can make this. You can get there. Just keep working. And that's all I've been doing ever since is just keep working and keep busy. And, and I don't spend a lot of time talking about me, per se. I, I mean, I'll talk about it because it's important that people know that guys get breast cancer, too. But I do it from that standpoint. But I don't do it about the, well, hey, let me tell you about me. You know, I don't do it from that. I do it. Uh, I'll talk about it, you know, like I say, just to be informative, to let people know, hey, you know, get yourself checked. Uh, and then also from the standpoint of others that might need to hear that, you know, hey, even though you get a bad diagnosis, you can still you can still survive and you can still have some life. And it isn't about how long the life is. It's about the quality of life. And I intend on keeping that going for both for quite some time to come. So good Lord willing. So that's. That's where I'm standing with that. Like I said, uh, I have my days where I feel like 10 pounds of crap in a five-pound bag. But uh, 
I, uh, for the most part, it's just I feel weak, you know, I'll feel weak, I'll feel tired, run down. Things that you take for granted, like if you go, uh, if you go walk to the store. For me, that's like I'm running a marathon, okay? I mean, there, there are things like that. So I can't walk real long distances anymore. I can't uh, uh, stand for super long periods of time anymore. But, uh, I, you know, I, tried, I've, I pretty much plot my day out, day to day, what I'm going to do, where I'm going to be. That way, if I need to sit down, if I need to rest for a little bit, if I need to do this, do that, I can do it. And so, you know, that's where this uh, doing the sports and stuff has been a godsend, too, because whether it's at the radio station, whether it's at a high school, whether it's whatever I'm doing, I can go somewhere. I can I don't have a long, long way to walk. I can just go ahead and have a seat at the at my broadcast desk position and just act like a 12 year old all over again. So, <laughs> well, I'm, pr- good. I'm, good. I'm praying for you, man, and I'm glad that there's new treatments out there and that. uh that you're you're fighting it and um you know faith like you said is 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 a huge part of it and just having that that positive mindset so i'm i'm glad you're you're keeping it going and you're and you're still doing the games um is there anywhere that people can go in terms of you know i know you're not one for charity but like in terms of any type of donations or anything they can do in terms of like the cancer research or helping continue to to fund if they so choose to do it, uh, you know, with, with treatments like you have? Well, well, if they want to do something like that, I would suggest uh, the Victory Center. out of T- There's a Victory Center in Toledo. If you put in Victory Center, in T- Victory Center Toledo, it'll pop up uh, on, your, on your search engine, uh, the link to get there. If you want to make a donation, and in in, you can do it in mine. I don't care whose name. You do it in Bomber's name. Um, but uh, I'm just saying it from the standpoint of, I, 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 it ain't about me at the, at the end of the day. It isn't. And it's about them. And they do great work. What they do is they're a place where cancer uh, patients go to, where they can vent, where it's it's kind of like a boys club or a girls uh, club uh, or Scouts of America, the, the boys club and the girls club. It's kind of like a boys club or a girls club for cancer patients. In other words, where they get to go and they can be treated like normal and not have everything be about their uh about their disease you know it's 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 where they can go and they, they'll have uh, like they, they have things in there like uh, uh massages or little aromatherapies you know different types of things movie nights you name it yeah uh, it's, it's it just kind of runs the spectrum but the thing is is that they do it for specifically with cancer patients in mind so, and it's a wonderful, wonderful organization that does this and stuff. And it's, uh, it's something that I, I've come to appreciate and stuff. The other, uh, the other one is uh, gracebeaks.org, which is my goddaughter's, uh, it's a charity that they, we started many years ago. Uh, she has chromosome Q18 deletion. What that is, is it's the chromosome that allows you to communicate verbally. She's missing it. So she's she has got all the energy and rambunctiousness of an eleven-year-old girl, but she can't talk. And so because of this, and so what Grace Speaks does is they take um, whatever funding they get, and they get funding from like Marathon 
Boyle, um, uh, several different other places. They work with Bowling Green State University, et cetera. And what they do is they offer speech therapy to kids in Hancock and Wood County that can't afford it. They can't, you know, that can't swing it because it's expensive. It's very expensive and prohibitive, cost prohibitive. Well, they take this, they take what they get and they work with BGSU with their speech therapy department and they try to help these kids communicate. You know, so and that's and that's those are the things that are near and dear to me. Now, you know that, and and you can, if you want to do that in my name, I'd be honored. If you want to do it in your own name, hey, it's still an honor. You know, I just look at it from that standpoint. That, like I said, it's I'm at that stage and that age, bomber. That it's not about me, and and I'll, I'll always be that way. It's uh, it's about giving back and to others to help others. And bolster them, whether it's just and, and, and giving them a hand up or if it's just, a, you know, hey, you know what, they, they need some encouragement. And if you if I can help facilitate that, then that much the better. So, you know. Well, I appreciate it, man. Um, and like I said, I'm praying for you. I love you. And uh, keep keep fighting, man. You know what I mean? I, I you know, I, I don't know what it's like to go through what you're going through. Um, but I, I had a health scare um, not to make it about me, but just in terms of just relating in terms of conversation, I had a health scare and a, and a rare tumor, um, uh, about four years before I met you guys, um, and bled like a stuffed pig and was really scared and it wasn't cancerous, but it was, it was scary. Um, and, uh, you know, your family and your friends and, you know, I was fortunate to have a mom who's, a, who's, you know, was a registered nurse for over 30 years and is, and is still working in that field in, in, in a, a lighter capacity compared to what she was doing before. But, you know, having, having a, a support system and, and just people around you who can pick you up on those days where you're not feeling good or where you're scared. And, uh, you know, and obviously chiefly your faith are, are, are the most important things, man. So anything I'm, I can do to help, I'm going to help. Um, and lastly, before we wrap this up, cause I know you got a game, uh, and I got some stuff to get through as well uh, to 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 let people know one um, Toledo Sports Network dot com. Right. People can go and listen live. You can search Toledo Sports Network on YouTube. But your show, The Cheap Seats, is uh, every Sunday on 106.5 FM in Toledo. And the website, I believe, is just 106.5 the ticket dot com. Right. People can go there and click the, the listen live that's link. Correct. OK. Yep, that's correct. So that's at 9 a.m. Eastern Time uh, here in Toledo. So if you want to listen to it there, you can. Uh, we've got uh, Saturday and Sunday are both local, all local sports now. That's not just all ESPN programming anymore. Uh, I know there's a, a some nature guy who does uh, uh, a Green Future or whatever it's called. I don't know what it is. He comes on before me, so you know I figure you know that's his business. So I don't you know I just like hey have at it man. But then after me, there's uh, another guy, Garrison Deal, who does local sports and stuff. So we, we kind of, our shows kind of blend together. So we're, uh, so it's all good. You know, it's like I said, you go to 1065theticket.com. You can listen to me and basically you'll discover I'm just a big bumpkin like anyone else. It's just that I got a microphone. <laughs> and the Cheap Seats is on Twitter too, right? Well, yeah, if they want to follow me on Twitter... I'm at Radio Cheap Seats, uh, so that's uh, that's where I'm at on Twitter and uh, the Twitter. But uh, 
yeah, that's also available there. I'm going to be changing a few things, not yet, but like in the in the future, like maybe in the summer, I'm going to be changing a few things as far as how to digest uh, programming. But also, I'm um, I'm kicking the idea around of doing uh, a couple of different podcasts. I mean, you, you're the one that got me thinking about this, so I blame you. But uh, <laughs> I, uh, I'm looking at doing a pro wrestling podcast, not from a "Hey, I want to get John Cena on here." We're gonna no. I want it to be just a very local, uh, just friends hanging out that love pro wrestling and want to be able to talk about it, whether it's WWE, whether it's AEW, Impact, New Japan. I don't care. You know we. Uh, we all have something to bring to the table, and that's all I want to do. And maybe some of the local, smaller, independent promotions. I want to be able to talk to them about this stuff. And uh, that's because that's stuff that I grew up loving. Was I mean, I grew up loving hockey and football and, uh, and, and wrestling, you know. And so I am going to, I'm looking to venture into that, uh, uh, that, that field as far as uh, podcasting. That's something I'm uh, well, well versed in, but it's something that I do want to do anyway and the other is going to be a, i'm going to be doing a, a historical perspective of the toledo cherokee because in that story that the news station did on me they pointed out that i'm the team historian and i'm like i am <laughs> so i was like boy man i'm the last to know but uh so since they did that it caught and like i said when you i knew you were doing podcasts i was like bomber does podcasts on everything man whether it's music sports whatever he can do he does all that stuff why can't I do one on the Cherokee uh, from a historical perspective? Uh, kind of do a where are they now where I feature uh, some of the players from years in the past uh, to more recent and just kind of see what they're up to, what they've done, and talk about their their careers but also where they've gone since then. And I think that might be a nice way to give back also for them, you know, let them know that we appreciated what they gave to us. So. Absolutely, man. It's it's fun, and uh, if you need any help with it, I mean, I'm not an expert by any means, but uh, you know, through trial and error, I've done this, and, and one of my goals in 2020 is to be more consistent in doing this, just because uh, you know I love it. You know, I enjoy it. I, I love having conversations like this, especially with people that I know on a personal level, like yourself. And uh, it's been a lot of fun talking to you today, and definitely keep me posted as you're going forward. Um, with with everything, man, with life, with podcasting, whatever you need, man, just let me know. So, one one more time for the people, let them know, let them know where they can find you and listen to your stuff. Okay, one zero six five theticket dot com is uh, for the ESPN affiliate in Toledo. You can click on the listen live button. We're on from nine a.m. to ten a.m. I am uh, every Sunday, but I'm also on from eight a.m. to ten a.m. every Saturday with Mike Jamison, where we're, a young scribe by the name of Mike Bauman got his humble start when it came to being on the radio. Uh, this guy, I tell you what, he was still is hilarious, one of the funniest people I know, and is great with impersonations. But but we'll, we'll save that one for another time. We'll definitely have to do one where uh, you are in character, because you are a character. <laughs> well, Mick, I love you, brother. Thanks again for doing this today. Let's definitely keep in touch. Let me know if you need anything. I, I hope you guys have a great a great game today, man. Thanks. I appreciate it very much. Uh, and love you right back, buddy. You, you be good and take care. God bless. All right, man. See you.
Whitey Dighty, there you have it. That was my conversation with Mick Gonzalez, friend, former colleague, really good dude. Uh, I love you, Mick. I miss you, and I hope you're hanging in there, and I hope you guys all enjoyed it as much as I did, getting a chance to catch up with Mick and hear about his story, um, the health issues that he's battling through right now. I Again, I just ask that you guys keep him in your thoughts and prayers, um, and, 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 you know, with all the things going on in the universe right now, I just, you know, again, the timing of everything, it's kind of weird how the universe works sometimes, but getting a chance to catch up with them and share this episode in the midst of all of this, I, I just think in a weird way, um, this episode couldn't come at a better time. Cause again, he's the guy that was the first guy that I talked to, as you guys heard in, in that conversation, when it came to doing this broadcasting stuff without him, none of this would have been possible. And you know, I think really when I look at my life, um, you know, like a lot of people, you know, you battle your own fears or doubts or anxieties. And there's certain times in life where I just kind of feel like, not to sound cheesy, but the universe will will point you in the direction that that is like the path that – it's like here's the path. I don't know if I should say like the, the direction you should take or the path that you should take, but certainly the path that like – like, hey, this path might be, um, you. It might be a little bit better than the one that you're on. You know, it might be. It might be one that that opens new doors for you in a positive way, right? And, you know, we all have free will. At least I believe we all have free will, right? And uh, so, when those doors open, you have the opportunity to either walk through them. And go down those paths or you have the opportunity to kind of stay on the one that you're on. And sometimes I know I can speak for myself, you know, I've let fear get in the way of that, you know, or let my own self-doubt or worries or anxieties get in the way of it. And again, I just think now more than ever is the time to really kind of take a step back and look at life and refocus and, and just think about how fragile and precious it is. And so this conversation, getting a chance to catch up with Mick, you know, I look back on that time of my life, being 22 years old, coming out of college, you know, and, and just sort of being content to try to find a newspaper job somewhere. And here this guy came along and was talking about doing TV stuff, which just made me super nervous to think about being behind the microphone or being on a camera. And um, at the end of the day, what what all those years at Toledo Sports Network with Mick and Mike Jamison and Steve Taylor and, and all the guys and, and, and girls that we worked with at Toledo Sports Network over the years, like all those people, I, I, I'm i afraid to name anybody outside of those three guys that I was doing the immediate stuff with only because I don't want to forget anybody, but y'all know who you are if you listen to this. Um, you know, those years really kind of helped, you know, me get to another level as a human being. I feel like just in terms of coming out of my shell, having more confidence in myself, you know, um, really, really owning my craft in terms of this kind of stuff. It, it just, it opened up a part of me that I think was always in there. You know, I've always loved sports and basketball and, you know, I make shout outs all the time on this show to Chris Farley, you know, because Chris Farley was one of my childhood heroes with, uh, Michael Jordan along with Michael Jordan, you know? And so it's like, you know, the stuff that you love is, is, it's always in you, Right. And so to kind of tie it all together in my little rant here post-show, it's just like when those doors open, you know, whether you want to call it God or the universe or whatever, intuition, we all know those moments when they come. And I would just say pay attention to those moments when they come, 
you know, because while I do believe it's never too late at the same time, you know, life comes at you quick, man. Like I, I remember meeting Mick in the cafeteria at Toledo hospital back in 2010, like it was yesterday and it was 10 years ago almost now, you know what I mean? Um, and, and, and just time goes by really fast. So if there's something that you enjoy or there's something that you love, do it. You know, it's like that old Nike, you know, campaign, just do it, which they still to this day use that in ads and commercials and stuff. And it's true. It's like sometimes the, you know, we get so lost in, you know, it's like we, we kind of look at point A to point B with like an ocean in between. At least I do sometimes with things that I want to do in my life. And you get overwhelmed before you even take that first step. And, and, you know, change, like my grandma told me one time, change always starts with that first step, you know, and, and meeting Mick was the first step to me doing a lot of really cool things in my life, you know, and I look at all the, the things that I've gotten to do since every one of those things, you know, getting a chance to, you know, interview my favorite singer ever and Miles Kennedy, my favorite guitarist ever and Mark Germani, you know, having the opportunity in my life to do interviews with three of my five favorite bands. Like, I'm not saying that to like name drop or toot my own horn, but I'm just saying like, how many people get to do that? Like how many people out there get the opportunity to like have conversations with, and even though they weren't in person, you know, still to be able to get to have a conversation with, you know, people that you look up to, you know, to, to be able to say, Hey, I've gotten a chance to, to interview members from three of my five favorite bands ever, you know, including my favorite guitarist ever, my favorite singer ever. I've gotten to, you know, meet Buster B- Douglas and, and sit in, you know, during a boxing event we did with Toledo Sports Network like six or seven years ago in Toledo and, and you know, talk to Buster Douglas, the guy who who defeated Iron Mike, you know what I mean? Like um, all of these cool things I've gotten to do and even have the confidence and the courage to make a life change and, and move like I did almost five years ago now, which is crazy. You know, they all started with that first step and, and broadcasting has had so much to do with, you know, um, who I am now and how I speak. And, and uh, Mick was the first guy. So Mick, when I say thank you, I genuinely mean it, buddy. I love you. And uh, I'm praying for you and, and your health and uh, I'm so happy that the Toledo Cherokee honored you the way that they did because you deserve it, man. So uh, I think that's a good place to end it, everybody. Um, thank you again for checking out the show. Again, my plan, and I know I've said it, and I'm really trying to hold myself true to it because I genuinely miss doing this stuff, is is to do two episodes a month, uh, stagger them like two weeks apart, um, you know, just, just with the responsibilities I have in other areas of my life. I know that I can commit to two episodes a month, and I think that's kind of a good way to still be consistent and do a show that you guys want to listen to and and keep it on like a, a consistent timeline. So it's good to be back. They're trying times that we're in right now. It's kind of weird circumstances to be coming back and doing a show after taking a break for <laughs> for like a year. But at the same time, um, the present moment's the only moment we have, right? So um, I'm humbled by people who continue to listen to the show uh, thank you so much. You know, if you have the Podbean app, that's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Um, you can listen to the show on there. Obviously, it's on Apple Podcasts. It's on the Podcast Addict app, which I use on my Android phone. So you can listen to it just about anywhere, man. Um, 
and it'll be more to come on all that stuff too but uh uh more march4th.podbean.com if you want to go straight to it um but for most of you out there who have got iPhones I'm sure Apple Podcasts is probably the easiest place for y'all to get it so thank you again I'm humbled by everybody who's listening to the show and as always keep the faith and be kind to one another peace